Welcome to the house. We hope this podcast blesses you and encourages you. Enjoy. Thank you, Heather. And thank you, Danny and Dom, for tonight's worship. I, before we get starting or started on ego talk, I want to get us started in prayer. If you would just bow your heads with me. Father God, I thank you for tonight and all that you're going to do through our gathering. I just pray that in this moment, you would use me as a vessel to speak your truth and to speak life into your children, God. I just pray that in this moment, whatever we each need to hear, God, that that seed would be planted and that it would bear fruit moving forward. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I'm excited to be here with you guys tonight. Um, I thought when God put this subject on my heart, it was something that I had to go back and forth with him on for just a second because ego, I thought, was something that was a really touchy subject. Um, He showed me that as I just pressed into whatever it was that he did want me to say, I found that I had kind of put the word ego and what I thought it was into a box. I kind of made it black and white and he showed me that it's black and white because of all of these small unaddressed moments. You know, you could, you probably think ego when someone comes to mind. I know this person, they have a huge ego or this person is so self-righteous, so entitled and self-centered. But I personally don't feel that you are born with that in your heart or that you go to sleep one night, not arrogant, and you wake up the next morning arrogant. And that's what God was trying to show me. It's how you get to that place and what you need to do daily to make sure that it doesn't happen. Because at the end of the day, we all have an ego. And there's no judgment when I say that some are bigger than others. That really is the truth. It's just the reality. And so talking about how your ego can potentially keep you from God's plan, it looked different than what I thought it was going to at the beginning. And he was just showing me, he actually showed me through me living it um, while I was reading and I was seeing that it's not just about the arrogance, the self-centeredness. Sometimes your ego can be triggered coming from a place of feeling less than and inferior. And for me, that's the situation that I found myself in. And as embarrassing as it is, my ego was triggered and I, I wasn't able to catch it before responding in my ego, but I was able to see it immediately. And so last week, as I was trying to get our dogs to go to the bathroom, our youngest dog would not get off the bed for the life of me. But then at a sound of my husband in the kitchen, she runs off the bed, goes to the kitchen, realizes, no, there's no treat for her. So then she comes to the bathroom. And so naturally my husband comments on it. Oh, you know, she comes down for that. And I've never understood the term word vomit so clearly. I instantly said, no, she jumped down because of me. She didn't jump down because of me. I don't, I I felt stupid saying that you guys. And because I had just spent time earlier working on this with God, he showed me that he, I, I got to experience and see firsthand 
that it creeps in. You don't realize it. And then it becomes the arrogance. Then it becomes self-centeredness. Now you lack humility because it's all you. And before you know it, you're not living in God's plan. You're not even operating in what his will is for your life anymore. You're just doing whatever you think is best. And so an article I read categorized ego into two different ways, defensive and offensive. And so with your defensive ego, that primarily stems from your ego trying to protect you from feeling failure, um, from feeling hurt or from feeling judged. So that can look like someone giving you feedback. And because you feel criticized, you become defensive. Uh, You point the finger or you start to deflect and defend because what your ego is processing from that is you're judging me or you're telling me that I'm wrong. And I think it goes back to just how you look at situations. Are you treating it as a learning opportunity? Because how many times is God trying to teach us something, but our defensive ego just gets in the way and whatever that lesson is now completely missed. You know, with the offensive ego, that's kind of, that's more so really what I boxed ego as, you know, you want to be acknowledged, you want to be heard, you want to be respected. And that often looks like you craving so much admiration that you fail to see other people's needs. You don't see their ideas. You don't even see how they might be an asset or, you know, contribute to whatever it is that's happening. And so I thought that for each of us to really understand where our ego is at today, if we need to check it, how we need to check it, and also if it is interfering with what God's plan is for us, the first thing to understand is what God's will is for the day to day. And so with the Bible, you know, you really need to spend time in his word if if you're going to know what he wants from you. And for me, when I was trying to look it up, the word ego itself doesn't really actually come up in the Bible very much, but the Bible paints a very clear picture of how we are called to live. God does give that, give us that manual book. Um, But what he shows us are examples of people. You know, you look at Israel, you know, once they got to the promised land, there's so many stories of the kings that a lot of them, most of them, I think God actually did select. And then over time, because God did so much through them, they no longer sought his advice. They didn't pray about what to do. They knew because of their past experiences, well, this should be what I do. The problem is you don't know what God is trying to do. So we need to clearly identify the day-to-day stuff that God is expecting us to operate in. And Romans 12 verses one through three, put it into a clear picture for me at least. And it says, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, 
I give, I give each of you this warning. Really let this sink in. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. And I think for me personally, we as children of God have the we have endless amounts of opportunities at our disposal if we would get out of our own way. We have the capacity to do and achieve so many things if we would just get out of our way. But we can only do that because Christ lives in us. It these arms boning. I, I can't do anything, you know, but maybe with some prayer from God, hey, give me the spiritual strength to do this. That's how I can do things. You know, my flesh and bones, they don't do much for me. It's the spirit of God that's within me. That is the real reason I'm able to live and just love life. And then the rest of Romans 12, it still goes on to talk more about the day-to-day -day stuff, but there's four specific parts from verses six to 13 I wanna do, I wanna go over. Verse six, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Again, it goes back to that. Christ living in us allows us to accomplish and do these things well. And then verse eight, if God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And I wanted, I pick the leadership aspect of it, of that, of Romans 12, because I know that a lot of you probably say, well, I'm not a leader, but are you supposed to be? I mean, how do you know that you're not supposed to be leading something? And at the end of the day, you still are called to do something. So yours may not be leadership, but are you taking whatever your calling is seriously? It's going to be up to you to decide that, you know, I, I know that there's real life and just so much goodness and blessings in it. So just really think about that. And with verses 10 and 13, it makes it clear there's no room for ego in our day-to-day -day lives. Verse 10, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Verse 13, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. In my opinion, ego isn't genuine. Um, ego's not going to let you honor anybody other than yourself. And you may help God's people, but you're not really going to be doing it from a place of hospitality. You're going to be doing it to really fuel your own motives. And so... If you Once you can clearly define what your day-to-day -day life is supposed to look like, you can now see, you know, what are my behaviors? What, what are my actions? How do I speak to people? You know, am I all that I want to be? Am I all that I say that I am? And so some ways that you can really keep your ego in check or at least acknowledge this may be my ego is if you find yourself focusing on your plan over God's plan. Because there's nothing wrong with planning. You get stuff done when there's a plan, there's a motion, I get it. But the problem is if you start trying to figure out what, you're, what you want your life to look like, there's nothing wrong with that aspect either. But when you do that and you don't bring God into it, you don't seek what his will is purely with the motive of knowing that he knows better than you. 
and saying, hey, you know, God, this is my plan. This is my six month plan because of what I see and where I'm at. But I know that you see things I don't. So I'm inviting you into this plan and make whatever changes you need to, you know, for my my better. And that made me think of uh, the saying, God laughs when you make plans. And I really sat there on that because I don't, I think that's twisted. I, I don't think he laughs at your plans. I think he laughs when you don't invite him into it and he now has to come in and make a mess of your life or you're good. Yeah, he's probably laughing like, what the heck? What the heck, daughter or son? Like, it didn't have to be this way. And I guarantee you, you're going to be pissed. You're going to be frustrated. You're going to be angry. And then gradually you will see that it was for your own good. That's when he's laughing because you didn't include him. And now you're going to have to backtrack and really start all over again, possibly. So if you find yourself feeling like you have to have everything figured out to make that next step or to move, that's probably your plan, not God's plan, because with faith, you're not always going to know. And so another way to check your ego is if you find yourself hating change because your ego loves what is comfortable. And the problem with that is there is no growth in what's comfortable. God does not like it for you to be comfortable. And so if you, if you're always in the comfortable, it's going to be hard for you to ever really know what God's plan is, because I can tell you it's going to be an uncomfortable process, but it's so rewarding. It is so, it's so hard to explain because I step into the uncomfortable anytime I speak in front of someone. I don't like this many eyes on me, but this is what God has for me. It's not about me and liking this or that. This is what God's plan currently, this is part of his plan for me. So I'm going to embrace all of the uncomfortable feelings that come with it because there are a lot, but he's with you every step of the way too. And he shows you that, which I think has made it easier for me to keep stepping into the uncomfortable. So take that first leap of faith and then allow him to show up. And then I don't want to say it keeps getting easier, but I guess you just force yourself more and more and eventually it'll just become second nature. And you'll just say yes, knowing all of the uncomfortable feelings that are to come, you pray about it and you figure it out. And then if you, when it comes to change, if you're focused on, this is a major ego red flag, but if you are focused on what others around you need to change and you're not looking inward, take a pause, really reflect on that because sure, maybe the other people need to change too, but you should start within yourself first. And I think that one of the reasons why God's plan for our lives are so uncomfortable is because especially at the beginning and even all throughout, you have to sacrifice. And that first sacrifice feels like exactly that because you're essentially giving up something that you thought was for you or like you worked so hard for, whatever it may be. So you're having to sacrifice that. And eventually God should, he tenfolds it. 
the blessings are even more. You're you're in a place that your mind couldn't have even fathomed at the time of you giving that to God. And that's the beauty of it. But I think that's the problem with a lot of people embracing what God's plan is, is that first sacrifice, that feeling is really hard to step into. Because if you look at the rich young man from Mark 10, for instance, he's asking Jesus what he needs to do for eternal life. And Jesus says, obey all the commandments. He lists them. This young man has honored every commandment every day of his life. But then you see a shift in verses 21 to 22. Jesus looked at him, loved him, and said to him, there is one thing that you lack. Go sell everything you own and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. But the man was saddened by these words and went away in sorrow because he had great wealth. We don't know what God's plan was for that man because he didn't make that initial sacrifice. We we literally have no idea what God's plan was for him. So rich young man, don't even know your name. You were a rich young man, good to know. You know, so um, another way to really check your ego is if you find yourself in constant I and me statements, um, it's over time, I think it does become natural or maybe easy to start to take the personal um, credit for your accomplishments. But somewhere we lose sight of the fact that it was God's direction that even allowed that accomplishment to happen. And I think it that's where it comes down to you really have to give God the glory for everything everything like I'm so dramatic and look at my face everything you guys okay it's important because we are so blessed we are so privileged and it is all because of him and when you can really approach God in that way you'll continue to have humility you'll be able to address these moments of ego give them to God and release them you know but if you ultimately if you're letting your ego stand in the place of God's voice, it's it's really going to be hard to come out of that place. Other people around you are going to see it, but how are we going to be able to show you? You know, it's you're so into yourself, I guess, at that point. And so that's why daily check yourselves because that's what it can lead to if it goes unacknowledged. And then another way that you really can live outside of God's plan is by people pleasing. And I, oh, sorry. So I apologize for that. Um, but another thing is people pleasing because at the end of the day, God calls us to love people. You know, Matthew 23, 11, the greatest among you will be your servant. There's a difference between being a servant and helping with a pure with pure motives, just whatever, whether it's appreciated or not. That is separate than pleasing someone. Because when you're people pleasing, it looks essentially you're placing all of your energy into trying to impress this person, making them happy. But at the end of the day, God is the only person that we truly day-to-day should attempt to impress. Not man, not people around us. And so focusing on being a servant, not pleasing people, because even with being a servant, 
you will please people. You also may not, but that's not what it's about. How it's received is not the point is not the point of what God is trying to tell us. And then another way, and this one I felt was kind of heavy, is minimizing sins of the heart. First John 1 8 says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. I can't see what's in your heart. I can only see how you act. I can only see how you treat me, how you make me feel, really. God is the one that sees your heart. And that's why your ego is so focused on, you're not you're not out here physically doing this. Your physical body is not committing the sin. But what are your thoughts? What's in your heart? You know, and that's exactly what Mark 7 verses 21 to 22 speak on. For from within, out of a person's heart, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. That all has the potential to come out of your heart alone. So check your heart. Just because you don't act on that, you still need to give these things to God if that's where your heart is at, because that's not what his plan is. So you need to give that to him. And ultimately, the ways on the day-to-day to check your ego, other than being aware, slowing down, being aware of you, where you're at, and how you respond to things, would be serving. You know, here at the house, for me, serving, it, I noticed a big shift in my relationship with God because I said yes to serving because he had done so much for me in a 30-day period alone when I was so broken that the least I could do in that moment was give back to him every other Sunday. And through that, I grew so, so much. And the thing about church now with Zoom, the house, serving looks different. You can now be in another state and you could technically serve here at the house throwing that out there if you've at all thought you know how can i do more or how can i serve have you asked your pastor have you asked me heather anybody because you're asking the wrong people then ask us we can show you there's so many spaces and so many ways that you can just allow god to remove yourself more and more And just show up more and more. More of His Spirit is in you and you see it and you're living in it. But you also need to have day-to-day humility. Be humble. You know, it's not... Humility isn't about being submissive or thinking you're not good enough. It's about seeing yourself as you truly are. And again, that goes back to who are we? We are sons and daughters of God. That allows us to have an endless amount of opportunities through Christ's spirit in us. That is who we are. Ego, no, my ego has nothing to do with it because Madison, remember, I'm skin and bones. It's the spirit within me that's doing all of the things that I'm able to do. And so I want to leave you with a quote from C.S. Lewis. True humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. And so I know ego is a touchy subject, but I mean, even look at me. I had that small ego moment that 
Had this topic not been put on my heart, I don't think I would have been able to address that as ego. I really don't think I would have. And so for me, God was able to show me all of the different ways that ego can creep in, all of the ways that it, it can be bad. And so if you are comfortable sharing, whether it be about your ego, or maybe you want to just talk about God's plan, we can talk about the um, his will for your life, the plan he has for you. If you want to serve, if you're comfortable talking about ego, let's do it.